Well, good morning, City Hill. You know, we live in a state that mandates the wearing of masks, right? And we have different masks out here today. I was looking around. We've got cloth masks. We have surgical masks. We have face shields. We have all kind of masks that we wear. One reason is because the governor mandates it. Governor, I looked it up, Governor's Executive Order 2081. Sounds pretty official, right? Mandate, mask up Minnesota. And we live in a land where we're called by God to um, obey and honor the laws of the land. So we wear masks. We also wear masks because we care about each other. We want to protect other people in our lives. So we wear masks. I don't think anybody likes wearing a mask. I haven't met anybody yet that says, oh, I just love putting on a mask, but we wear a mask. However, at the same time, at the same time, the Word of God calls us to walk in open transparency. The Word of God calls us to openness of heart, to be vulnerable, to take down the barriers, to take off our masks as we relate and love each other to be a family, to greet each other with a holy kiss. And the young men say, hoorah! We're called to embrace and keep and be close, not distant. To remove the masks that we hide behind throughout life. So I want you to do something with me this morning. Everybody stand up for a minute, please. For a moment... I would like to ask you to remove your masks just for a moment and look around and smile really big. Let them see that beautiful face of yours. Wave at somebody. I want to see your pearly whites. Smile. Hello. Oh, you're beautiful. All right, put your mask back on and sit down, please. It's a funny world we live in, isn't it? It's a funny world, but you have beautiful faces. And may God give us grace as we walk through this chapter in our world's history. Father, I thank you that you, that you never wear a mask. That God, you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, may we not hide ourselves from you, but may we open our lives, our hearts, our beings to you. And God, make us big people that even in this world of wearing masks, that God, we would reach out and love and care and connect with people, God. You're not limited. Be with us as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today I'm starting a four-part series, which will actually span over six weeks because we have a few interruptions in these next number of weeks. Series is Freedom to Live by Faith. Freedom to Live by Faith. Uh, one of the most important verses in the Bible, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, is Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, 
the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Say that phrase with me. The righteous shall live by faith. One more time. The righteous shall live by faith. I want to unpack what that means over the next number of weeks. What does it mean to really live by faith? The righteous shall live by faith. So who are the righteous? Well, the righteous are all of those who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you. You may say, I don't feel all that righteous. If you are walking, if you've loved the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've opened your heart to him, that's you. And when God looks down on you, I don't know how you see yourself, which is a major issue, really. But when God looks down on you as his children, he looks at you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sees you as righteous. The righteous, the saints, the family of God, the body of Christ, the righteous. Shall live shall live. This is our call. Your call is to live by faith. It's how you're supposed to live. It's how God calls you to live. It's how he challenges you to live, that your life is to be lived by faith. It's a commandment of the Lord. Live by faith. All right? This is what you're called to do. And then by faith. And you and I are called to live not just Sunday morning, not just church attendance, but we're called to live our lives daily, hour by hour, by faith. The scripture says in Romans 14, 23, whatever is not of faith is sin. So I want to just say, I think I can make this pretty clear, biblically based, that you're either living by faith in your day-to-day -day walk, or you're living in sin. So you may be a nice person walking little old ladies across the street doing kind things, but if you're not doing that by faith, then you're doing that by sin. I don't know about you, but I want to live by faith. I want my life to be lived by faith. Now we sometimes think of that in different ways, and I want to really unpack that for you. What does it mean to live your life by faith rather than living your life trusting in something other than Christ, which is sin. The problem, one of the major problems we face today, is that our modern society, the society in which we live in, really has very little place for faith. The society, maybe it did years ago, but not so much today. It seems there's really almost no place for faith, and that those who have faith, it's almost a negative in our society that we live in today. And so you're called in that society to live in a different way. More and more and more, I believe that we'll be going in direction. And we are today a direction that is opposed to the direction of the society around us. That wasn't true so much back in the 50s and 60s. It seemed to be basically a accepting, affirming of Christianity, but that is changing in our society. We say things in today's society, I'm just trying to hear some of the ways I can describe that. One is you hear a lot of 
comments about science-based. I'm not making a comment about any particular topic, but we hear science-based, it's science-based. And when I hear that, what I hear behind that is science-based is factual, therefore it is true. Now may I say mostly yes. Science has answers and it will give us insight into things and science base oftentimes is true. Now why do I say oftentimes? Because science isn't always accurate. I mean accurate science is accurate. But you'll hear science base and then you'll hear science base and you hear science base and you have three different science base that different with each other. So that's why I say it's often true, but science is factual, and although it may be true, it is not always truth. I describe it. It can be true, but not always truth. Because there are many questions that science cannot touch. Science is not the answer for every question we have, such as, why am I here? What scientist can answer why you are here. Does God exist? Does that God know me and love me? How can I find forgiveness for my sins? How can I be free? Those are not questions that science can answer. So when someone has science-based as the basis of their life, they're going to have major gaps because these are not questions made for science. You may ask the question, well, how do you reconcile science with faith? There are many that would know this far better than I, but let me just touch on it. God is the creator of all science. Our God, the creator of heaven and earth, he created it all. And by his word, by the brilliance of God, by the way, God is far smarter than you, amen? If God fit in your brain, if you were as smart as him, I would be very afraid. If God fit, if I could fully understand God, if fit in my head, God help you all. God is far, far smarter than any of us. And by his brilliance, he created a universe that science is exploring. And what I love is as science understands a little slice, a little bit more of the universe, to me it always shines on the incredible nature, the brilliance, the massive wisdom of our God. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare what? The glory of God. The heavens declare, declare the glory of God in the sky above, proclaims his handiwork. So get past the concept that somehow science is opposed to God. Science just continues to reflect the amazing God that we serve. Science really has, they continue to get, they scratch the surface and understand a little more. But when you ask a question like, how does a black hole behave? You know, they may have some little idea, but the reality is the universe is far beyond our ability to fully understand it. But the world says things like, okay, well, seeing is believing. You ever heard that? Seeing is believing. 
Well, Jesus was talking to Thomas. Remember the nice nickname we put on poor Thomas? Doubting Thomas, the poor guy, you know? He's kind of like one time, and that, then he gets the name stuck on him. And so Doubting Thomas, and what did Doubting Thomas do? He wasn't present when Christ appeared to the disciples, and he says, unless I, unless I put my hand in his wound, unless I touch it. I got seeing his believing, says Thomas. And he'd been warned that people would come and tell lies and bring deception, and Thomas is like, uh-uh, not me. I need to see this for myself. And so he encounters the risen Christ, puts his hand, he touches his wounds. And Jesus says to Thomas, doubting Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Seeing is believing, right? Because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus affirms believing without physically seeing. It's called faith. There are things that God is calling us to that we do not always get to touch, prove scientifically, and we're called to believe without seeing. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. How can you be confident for something that has not happened yet? By faith. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith calls us to step beyond the scientific, beyond what we can grasp with our hands and trust God for things that we cannot see and we cannot touch. It really is a decision to believe without having seen the thing yet with our eyes. I remember trusting the Lord for, we bought two mission centers overseas. And Bobby Walker, great man of faith, who was way beyond me in faith, and he came to visit us and I said, Bobby, talk to me. I am way out of control. I have no idea how we're going to do this. And I just, I'm freaking out here, Bobby. Bobby, this elder man, white hair, sat down. He said, have you seen it in your spirit? Has God dropped this in your spirit? Have you seen it? I said, oh, I, we own this place. I know it. God's dropped this. I've seen it. He goes, then, brother, it's yours. It is yours today. I don't know how, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the final payment, but this thing is yours and nothing can take it away because God has revealed it to you in his spirit. So have fun. I'm like, oh, Bobby, you're out of your mind. You're crazy, man. I wanted something insurable. I wanted a plan. I wanted to have it all figured out. And Bobby's like, no, this is the joy of walking by faith. This is wonderful. Whew. My dad's an accountant. Remember that, right? You know, everything was planned and figured, and Bobby's trying to get me excited about walking into the unknown. Trusting in God when you can't see it, when you can't figure it all out. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. 
Let me just clarify here. The Lord calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, souls, and minds. I am not saying don't think. I am not saying don't study science. Think, study, look, analyze, use the mind, use the heart, use what God has given you, and let that be a basis for you to say, and with all of this, I put my trust and my faith and my confidence in God. So we study all of these things. We look with open eyes. And then based upon the word of God, by faith we put our trust in God. We don't trust in faith. Just take a couple statements on that. There are times where people, I feel like they say, According to your faith, it will be done. I say amen. That's biblical. But according to your faith in what? Better said, in who? The scriptures, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to do that which I've committed to him. My trust is not in faith. It's not you're, you need something and you just, I need more faith and you grit your teeth and just more faith and I just, I, I need more faith. Like as if faith exists as an entity in and of itself. It does not. Our faith is in God. Our faith is in Christ and what he's done for us. And that's what we need to keep our focus on. The righteous shall live by faith. By faith. I want to take a focus of this today, go back to the scripture we began with, with in Romans 1.16, and talk about the freedom to live by faith for your salvation. And some of this is basic building blocks, but the more that I'm in the pastorate, I realize that sometimes I assume that everybody has all the basic building blocks in place. And I'm surprised sometimes at the solid teaching of the word that sometimes we either forget or maybe have never been taught. And our salvation, we have, we have the freedom to live by faith for our salvation. Romans 1, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Say good news with me. Good news. It's good news. I want to ask you, is the gospel good news to you? I hope so. Is it good news to the world? Well, you think so. Do they think so? If, you, if it was really good news to you and to them, you'd be out telling everybody and every say, hey, I got good news. Good news. Jesus died for you. Good news. You can be cleansed of your sins. Good news. But the world is not really seeing the good news of Christ as good news. What is the gospel? The gospel, the word gospel, is broken down with the first part meaning good. And the second part, spell, is story. It's a good story. It's good news for us. But in order for there to be good news, there needs to be bad news. The good news that you can be saved 
isn't good news unless you think you need to be saved from something. If someone runs up to you and says, I can save you, and you go, dude, what are you talking about? You know, from what? I'm doing fine. And I want to take a moment or two here and talk about the bad news. The bad news. You know, I, I think I'm wired in the way that if, I, if something goes wrong with my body and the doctor walks out for the consultation, I want it straight. I really don't want, you know, just tell me, right? How many like that? If you get the doctor, it's like, okay, I don't know how bad, if I'm going to die, I want to know. How many days do I have? I want to know, I want to know straight out. Give me truth. Give it to me straight. So here's the bad news. Ready? You failed. All of us have sinned. We have been weighed and found wanting in the scales of God. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Romans 3.10, it's written, there's no righteous, not one. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone, it's bad enough we get called sheep, right? Because they're among the dumbest of all animals. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So the bad news is you failed. You fell short on the most important challenge of your life of my life. We've all sinned. Say, well, so what? Well, the consequences of our sin is that we deserve, rightly so, we deserve death. Romans 6.23, the wages or the consequences of sin is death. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your sins the consequences is death and separation from a holy God. And hell is a very real place. Not a popular topic to preach on, but I'm giving you the bad news. It's a very real place. Second Thessalonians 1.9 They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Sin separates us from God. Whatever hell is, it certainly is a place that is horrible where no one ever would want to go. It's not a party with friends. It's a separation of being cut off from God. So I have more bad news. Well, this is a great sermon, huh? I got more bad news. You're unable to save yourself. How many times have I heard people say things like, well, you know, I never killed anybody. I never cheated on my spouse, so I guess I'm going to heaven. Well, that's not the way that God and the universe runs. We don't get to set the rules. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, By grace you've been saved through, through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, a gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. So nobody can say, well, I was pretty good. I did pretty well. You know, my situation, you know, I do remember one time talking to God, and I said, you know what, God, I'm doing better than that guy is. You know, I mean, I was looking at life, comparing, I thought, well, I'm doing better than that guy is. And I felt the Lord say, if I gave him half of what I gave you, he'd be five times farther down the road. And I was like, well, that hurt. Nobody can boast. Nobody can boast. But here's the good news. God had a plan. God has a plan. And it's called the good news. It says we are lost. You know, my kids would always, I had kids that just loved justice. They wanted fairness. And they would say to me, they'd get some toy that they didn't think was enough or something at Christmas time, somebody got more, and they'd go, it's not fair, Dad. And I'd say, you want fairness? We all go to hell. I'm like, Dad. I'm not, I just want, you know, it's like it's Christmas gifts. And I, well, you know, their dad was a missionary, you know. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I don't think they did, but... Fairness, guys, we sin, and fairness says the wages of sin is death, and God is righteous to judge our sin in that way. But the good news is, the verse that we all grew up hopefully knowing, John 3.16, and if you know it by heart, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What an incredible promise of God. It's so well known that sometimes we miss the depth and the beauty that we don't have to perish. God sent his, his plan was he sent Christ to save you and me. And that Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. So I look around, I know just about everybody. I would say the vast majority of us are saved and are trusting in Christ. Hallelujah. But sometimes part of that is trusting the Lord, not just that you'll go to heaven when you die, but also trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins. Trusting him that your sins are, have been cleared. How many times do I know Christians that they trust in Christ for salvation, but they walk around with this just burden of, yes, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know my background. You don't know. And I go, I don't know, but Christ does know. I do remember one time struggling with guilt feeling weighed down, and I, I, could, I could forgive everybody else, but I'd sinned. don't remember what the sin of the day was, but I'd sinned. And I was like, well, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And I felt the Lord saying, is your standard of forgiveness higher than mine? You know, God never really sugarcoats it with me very well. I probably need more of the baseball bat, you know, just boom. It's like, 
I have paid the price for your forgiveness. On what standard do you not receive that? By faith we forgive. By faith we believe that we are forgiven by Christ. By faith we hold on to our salvation that Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary was enough for our salvation. And that it doesn't depend upon our acts of righteousness. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, the Lord laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. The sins. Our sins. That's why it's a great song today, Bobby. We didn't coordinate, but our sin, my sin, oh, the thought. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. It's a strange intro to a sentence, right? Thinking of your sin, what bliss. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Wow. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know it by faith. We know it by trusting in the Word of God and trusting in what Christ did. And when you don't live that out, then you're living in a falsehood, in a lie. And faith is standing upon the truth of what Christ has done for us. The Word says that salvation is by putting our trust in Christ and what he's done. And so easy, it's easy for us to turn that and say, I've done that, but I have to somehow earn it. I somehow have to live to this certain level, which none of us get to, and so we walk, that, we walk through life oftentimes not even confident of our salvation. It was interesting, my, my dear father, who I think has been gone 14 years now, something like that. My dear father, he would, almost every night we had family devotions. God bless him. Wonderful thing. He'd call the family together for a time of prayer and reading the scriptures. And fathers, it's a great model. Just 15 minutes together as a family, having devotions together. And when we did, his prayer would often be, Lord, I pray for the assurance of salvation. And after I heard that about 400 times, I started to get kind of sick of that. I mean, dear man, right? But I'm like, Dad, you're saved. Oh, Lord, give me the assurance of salvation. And I think that was one of the ways the Lord wanted to beat up my dad. That he wasn't sure that he was good enough. And I'm like, Dad, it's because of what Christ did for you. And Satan beats us up with those kind of things. You know what, interesting, what really put my dad over. My dad was, in creativity, was about a minus 10. In faithfulness, he'd be 100. In creativity, a minus 10. He just had no creativity. And he was prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and God gave him the gift of tongues. And my dad knew he could never have made that up. A man with zero creativity can't make it up. And he's like, well, the only way that would be possible, God wouldn't do that for someone that wasn't his son, so I must be saved. And he never prayed that prayer again. I say, well, praise the Lord. But really, that assurance didn't need to depend upon a gift of the Holy Spirit based upon the word of God, that when we put our faith in Christ, 
we can be sure. We can be sure. And that confidence, I just want to say that confidence of you are saved when you put your faith in Christ is just the most amazing thing that God could ever give us. That you don't have to protect your life. You don't have to live afraid of dying. I know Christians who are really afraid of dying, and I go, you don't need to be. Because our salvation and our confidence is that when we die, we move on to the next step, which is eternity with Christ. And that comes through faith. Through faith. And one of the things that we do to be saved is, you can, one of the things that's important is to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's just say it together. Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time, louder. Jesus Christ is Lord. So you can only say that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is Lord. And really, putting your faith in Christ is more than an intellectual acknowledgement. I love, well, I, I love the scripture, but I recognize the scripture says the demons believe and they tremble. Safe enough to say the demons aren't saved? So they believe in intellectually in who Christ is, but they've not put their faith in Christ. So what does it mean to put your faith in Christ? One of the things I mean, it, I think it means is submission to Christ, to say there is a new boss in my life. In Italy, the four spiritual laws, don't say four spiritual laws, they're labeled a new boss. And they, Italy just understands authority, and I think, I kind of like that. It's a new boss in our lives where we say, I am recognizing a new boss in my life, that I am submitting myself to the lordship of Christ, that believing in Christ is not simply saying, yeah, Jesus was the son of God, amen. It's saying, in my life there is a new authority of, under which I will structure my life. So that when we, I mean, I think of Christ where he came to the garden and was wrestling with a crucifixion that was about to happen. And what is his line that is so beautiful when he wrestled all night and then he says, nevertheless, not my will but thine. He was aware of his human will that didn't want to suffer and be crucified, who would? But then he submits that under the lordship to his father. And we're called to do that. We're called, I just thought of a couple examples, you're bitter, you're holding an unforgiveness. I've heard Christians say, I don't want to forgive. I get that. That's your will. But Jesus says, forgive 70 times 7. So who wins? Maybe you're tight with your money. You don't want to give. You don't feel like you're. You don't feel like tithing or giving. You're, that's just how you're wired. Jesus says, "Give, and it will be given to you." Oh, you wrestle with it. Where's the lordship? Maybe you want to be immoral. You're struggling in morality. The Bible says, "Flee from sexual morality." 
who wins? Who is the Lord in your life? Now, am I saying, well, get it all right and live everything pure and don't ever mess up, and then you go to heaven? No, I'm not. I recognize the battle that we have. But I am saying that faith in Christ is saying, I submit myself, I, I bend the knee, I recognize that there's an authority over me in my life. It's putting your faith, your trust, your confidence in Christ. The righteous will live daily by faith, by putting their faith in Christ. Worship team, come back up, please. I want to just bring a few points of clarity here. Salvation is by grace. Salvation is by faith in Christ. It's not how good you can be. It's not that you never fail. It's not that you don't struggle. Salvation is a gift of God because of what Christ has done for us. But what it means to put your faith in Christ is to let Christ take lordship over everything. And that's a battle for us, isn't it? It's putting our faith in Christ rather than our faith in ourselves. Does that mean we just sit passive and don't do anything with our lives? Far from it. But our faith and our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that true salvation, when we do that, true salvation always results in a change of life. It results in things changing in our character because we, the Scripture teaches us we become like the God that we worship. It's a good principle of life. You, as you worship God, that's why the worship team and so many other aspects of worship are so important. As you set your eyes on Christ, as you worship him, things change in your heart. Things change in your values. Things change in the way you live. And what I want to leave you with today is that you can be absolutely assured of your salvation. Isn't that nice? You don't have to wonder. I love this verse in John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe, that's who trust in, who put their faith in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to you. And he says that you may know that you have eternal life. Hallelujah. You can know that if your day for eternity comes soon, praise the Lord. I'm watching my dear mother in her last days and there's just no question in her heart she's going on to see Jesus. Is it challenging? Sure. But she's like, I'm ready to see Jesus. I'm ready to see those who have gone on before me. She's not there going, pray for me, pray for my soul, pray that God... She's, she knows. I say that is a great model for all of us. May we live in that confidence. The just, the righteous, shall live every day by faith.
by putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a foundation for everything else we do. There are other things that we trust God for. We trust God for healing. We trust God for employment. We trust God for relationships. We trust God. But all the things that we are trusting God for have to be based upon a salvation relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we're just we're playing games until we settle this very most basic question. And you know, I don't know everybody's heart. I don't know where everybody's at. But I want to talk to those who are watching us online and also those who are here. And if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, if as I'm talking you're going, I don't really know if I've ever really put my faith in Christ. Let's do it today. Your salvation is not found by standing up or raising a hand or praying a prayer. But those are ways, those are steps we can take towards declaring, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I just want to give an opportunity. Sometimes, you know, we close eyes and we bow our heads and not today. Um, if you have never really settled the score of your walk or your faith with Christ, just stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you, but we just want to pray for you. We want to settle that. We make it a declaration for the Lord. If it's anybody that's here or anybody watching online, if you're in your home watching, stand up in your home. I want to, I hate to miss opportunities when we talk about salvation for people to make that declaration, settle that score. Anybody this morning? Amen. That's a courageous thing to do. Good job. I'm going to pray with you. Anybody else this morning? I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to also pray with because I don't know if anybody will be doing this online. Just pray with me, okay? In church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. This morning, Lord, I put my faith in you. And I receive that gift of salvation. through faith in what Jesus has done for me. Thank you, Lord, that I am a part of your family, and that you receive me as your son, as your daughter. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You can sit down. Thanks. Praise the Lord, how precious. How precious. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the confidence of salvation and that our life is not our own and that your plans for my life and for our lives is better than anything that we could plan for ourselves. You're a good God. Father, help us to live 
as the righteous ones by faith. But Father, our faith, our confidence would not be in our own abilities, but that our faith is in you, Lord Jesus. First and foremost, for the salvation of our souls. May our lives glorify you in thought, word, and deed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to be together today. Thanks for coming. Keep safe in these days. Use a lot of graciousness with people around you, folks. I've never seen a world more divided, polarized. May God make us big people who show love and grace with people who see things in different ways than we do. May God bless you today. If you're new to us today, if you're a guest, please greet me out there at the Welcome Center. God bless you all. Have a great, wonderful, beautiful fall day. God bless.